Hi, everyone. Today we have a special guest, Spencer Sue, who is a real estate agent out in California. And he has a lot of great insights into what makes it successful for you to sell your home based upon analytics and digital marketing. Welcome, Spencer, to the channel. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. So before we dive into the technicalities and how you got into uh, being such a real driven agent within the space, love to just hear a little bit more about yourself and what actually even got you into real estate. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in the Bay Area. Uh, prior to real estate, I got I was in tech. I was a software sales manager for over a decade, and eventually, at the kind of tail end of that career. I started to explore and understand a little bit more about real estate as an investor. So I started by buying some properties out of state. Um, I started also doing things more active, uh, which was actually flipping homes in the Bay Area. And as I flipped some homes in the Bay Area, that was when it really mattered, right? Of the numbers, right? I mean, we're talking about analytical and you're talking about data-driven. Like I'm putting a lot of capital on a bet that the value of this home will not just go up, but doing the renovations, I have to budget that, I have to budget the timeline, I have to budget the debt that we needed. So it's all a equation, mm -hmm. at least on the, if the deal makes sense or not. At the same time, it was also an it's also an effort to be able to even find such an opportunity. So that's actually how I got started. I did that. And then I realized, holy cow, this is incredibly difficult uh, <laughs> to find these projects that make sense. But I was like, you know what? I talked to a lot of realtors and a lot of realtors didn't have the approach that I have, which is much more driven by data to just begin with. I think that knowledge of renovations and uh, that framework can be very helpful for a lot of people in the Bay Area, especially as a lot of people in the Bay Area are engineers, data scientists, um, managers that have to deal with data all the time. And uh, fortunately, my bet was, was right. And uh, that's how I got started. That's incredible. And as you were like seeking these data sources, what led you to them? Uh, were there any difficulties there? No, well, it depends, right? So if you think about the portals today, you have the portals like Redfin and uh, Zillow and Trulia and, and so on and so forth. And they all have their kind of Z estimates or their own estimates of the value of a home. But as we all have evidently seen, Z estimates have been a complete disaster for Zillow when it comes to them making their own bets. Yeah. So just be cautious. The reason why they actually created that was many, many years ago, a long time ago, the MLS would not give them the data. So for them to give some sort of recommendation, they actually create their own formulas and guessed what the value of the home is. So it was, a, it was how they even got on the map that got the MLS to listen. But the idea and the reason why I bring that up is that the consumer portals like those are really good for discovering homes and just seeing what's out there, right? That's the whole business model. Mm -hmm. But afterwards of the evaluation, there is, you don't really get to pull the data sources very easily. You right. can do it manually, right? By doing a search radius and be like copy and paste, copy and paste uh, addresses. Like it's, just, it's super slow and it's inefficient. But Within the database that we use as agents on the MLS, we do have access to all of the data and we can easily export it and share it with you in advance. So I usually, if I want to really fine tune, I may export it into a Google Sheet. Mm -hmm. I can just literally screenshot what, it, what the actual comparables are, what I sold in the last two months. We can manipulate the data a lot more. Now, 
that being said, just because you have the tools doesn't mean a majority of agents know how to use the tool. So that's a different matter, but at least I have it and I can easily do that in a way that's a lot faster. And quite frankly, I know how to value homes a whole lot more than a majority of people because Mm -hmm. I do this day in and day out. And you can also get a sense of like how things are actually tracking like in progressing through the months and through the year. So that's, um, that's, that's the long story short. Yeah. That helps to get the whole full picture and why having that MLS access is really critical to getting a lot of data at times. So was that the main reason why you shifted over to become a real estate agent or what was your um, passion behind there? There was many reasons, right. And it happened all to be um, all at a time, right. Number one, I was not that satisfied of the growth of, my, not just my company, but that career, because at any job, there's a, there's a cap, right. Of how much you are worth in the market, right. Versus a small business owner like myself, I can work as much as I want or as little as I want, and I can earn as much or as little as I want as well. And um, there was no cap and it was somewhat more fair, right. Just because I did well, doesn't mean all of a sudden everything is cut in half. Right. And now I'm competing with another salesperson within the company, so that was one part of the reason. And the other part is, as I mentioned, I saw a big opportunity because this was a huge area, especially the Bay Area, where this was not happening. And it still is not going to happen. And it won't happen. This is a mindset, mm-hmm. right? You're not a data-driven realtor, data-driven individual by making stuff up. Like, this is a, something that you have to live by day in and day out, right? So yeah. I know for a fact, like, this is not something that simple for anybody just to replicate. And I know it's a tremendous value. It also really helps people guide like, look, this is why it's selling for this. It's very clear why, if you understand why, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of the times, especially in real estate, it's been kind of a black box for a long time, but it isn't. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, exactly. And I'd love to dive into some insights that you have as, from the agent side as to how it can help to for someone to sell a property on Comparing traditional methods versus digital marketing methods, what are the differences between the two? And then if we could dive a little bit deeper of what they actually are, that'd be great. This is a great question. Now, uh, the funny part about being analytical and data-driven is it works a lot more on the buy side. The sell side is not, typically. And here's why, right? When you're selling a house, you want people to fall in love with it and you want people to forget about the numbers. Right. <laughs> right. So it's not data driven on that end on uh, for you as a seller, because your your goal is representing the seller. Right. So the, the responsibilities are different. So what does that mean? It means your goal is to be on all the major platforms, market it the best way that you can. So the traditional method is just like kind of a almost like a low level kind of photos, nothing really special. Just post it on, you know, Redfin and Zillow and be like, all right, this is going to sell. And then the more kind of digital, but also more current model of what I do is it's really all encompassing. So there's a lot. So yes, we do the professional photography and I have an amazing photographer there, but I also do videos because I want people to know about the home itself, but also the community of where they're about to buy and why they should be buying this community in this area. Right. And a lot of people don't know that. You know, especially right now where people have more flexibility in their lives ever than ever before due to remote work, there's a lot of areas that people are not really, didn't ever consider, right? Yeah. I mean, they never even thought about living there their entire life and now they're going to be moving there. So 
it's best for them to understand what are they about to buy into? Why are people even wanting to live here? And so that's a more of a lifestyle, you know, conversation, but more of a, a dream. Now, there is some data, um, there is some analytical approach of how we list it, right? So we don't want to overprice it. So there is some level of math there, but it's not mm -hmm. overly too complicated. We just don't want to, we, we're not going to, we're generally not getting punished in this market, listing it low, because it's going to still end up where it's going to end up. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the general difference though, of a kind of a traditional approach, which is just really some people are still even see just use their, just their phone to take. Right. Pictures. The iPhone. Like crazy. And then uh, versus like now professional photography, professional videography, 3D tour of the home. That's really gives yeah. them kind of a, an easy look again. And ultimately, you know, drive a lot of traffic. Right? The fundamental thing is a very basic math equation, right? The more people that find it online, that fall in love with it online, will then want to go see it in person. Mm -hmm. And then the, the more people that see in person, maybe potentially more interested, then they'll, they'll read the number of disclosures, which is all the paperwork about the home. And then the, the higher number of that, the lot more likely there's going to be a good amount of offers. Yeah. You ultimately have them, you know, bid with one another. So that's the general funnel of the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Using funnel metrics. That's impressive. And then taking a step back outside of just the metrics itself, I mean, it's really impressive how you've been able to build all these connections. Like you said, the videographer, 3D touring, probably upskilling yourself as well. Uh, what was the process of like of that, of building relationships with other people from the real estate space? I think the thing that you, or not you, but most individuals will realize, right? Like your best dollar per hour metric is a few things. When it comes to real estate, it's really about meeting people. It's around having appointments. It's about potentially showing homes and it's ultimately about writing contracts and getting offers accepted. That's the highest dollar per hour. If you just fundamentally want to break it down. Yeah. Now there's a lot of things that's, that support it, right? Paperwork transactions, uh, getting pre-approved, uh, even the logistics of showing a home, uh, acquiring customers, right? There's all these other areas, but fundamentally that's what it boils down to. So the key though, as you grow a business is ultimately leveraging out where you're either not good or it doesn't actually make the best dollar per hour. Like for example, uh, uh, maybe there's people that are showing homes, right? I mean, I can show infinite homes. What is my dollar per hour worth there versus I hire a really good assistant that will do the home tours. I will still be involved with the strategy, which is a very expensive and very do high dollar per hour task and a very strategic task. But in just showing the home, like you can just go there to the open houses as well, like quite frankly too, right? Mm -hmm. so there's different things you can start breaking down by your business of what you want to do, what you want to leverage out. And maybe as you grow, you may leverage out by price points, right? Maybe sub million dollars or whatever number it is uh, goes to some members of your team that you've trained that yeah. are like versions of yourself, but you want to focus on a different demographic or for whatever reason. It could be you just focus on sellers, right? So at the end of the day, we all have the same amount of time a day. And it's just kind of how you want to use it and what's going on with your life and situation. And, and uh, that's how you grow effectively, but also uh, profitably too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if you really want to grow a business, it's not just being the sole person who does everything to understand what your worth is, kind of put a dollar towards it and see, could it be moved and shifted over to possibly someone else? Great. That's, that's number one. And number two, like any business, 
it's better be the individual is better to be a specialist. So for example, one of the things is like paperwork, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's definitely not the best dollar per hour for me, but if I'm doing one thing and I'm doing another thing, I'm doing another thing, I'm doing another thing, that the, the core task of doing paperwork can actually get worse versus an individual that they're only specializing in transactions, paperwork. Yeah. They just see it over and over again. So they're actually even more efficient. So not just your dollar power is terrible at it, but you may even do a worse job than someone else too, because that's all they're focused on. Right. Right. Because the more you, you have juggling, the worse it typically is. Um, and so you just, individuals need to really understand, um, really understand that. Yeah. That's a really great point. Thanks for sharing that. And then also you've uh, seen in your videos that you have a trackable dynamic plan that you set up for your clients. Could you explain a little bit what that is and how it helps? I think in general, like, and this is one of the things that I learned, fortunately, in, in smaller companies, but also just working in the corporate arena and then transitioning into running my own business is at the end of the day, we should all be on the same page. So communication is very important. But also the key metrics of how things progress is very important, right? Mm-hmm. As you brought up initially of that kind of the funnel metric, that's, I mean, fundamentally, almost every business is understanding those numbers, understanding the variables and things like that, and tweaking and improving each of the items, right? So the idea is, is that is tracking as we progress. It's almost like a project planner than anything else, right? If you think about putting a home on the market, there's several key steps to do. They all will incorporate either yourself or incorporate a third-party company. So there's a bunch of logistics of timing. And there's ultimately a lot of metrics that may come out of it. As I mentioned, maybe it's views on Redfin and Zillow. Those are great early indicators that you may want to know. Is this actually performing well? From there, you have how many people actually go through your open house. That's all tracked with like a digital sign-in. How many people download disclosures? That's all tracked. So all of these funnels are very important because it not just helps that client, it also helps you as a realtor talking with other clients, like this is what's going on. Right. Right. Like this is actually what's happening because if they're, you know, if you think about it, if 70 buyers goes to an open house and the open house sells in a week or the house sells in a week anyways, that's 69 other buyers that are homeless. Yeah. Right. So they're like very clear indicators and they all could go, reverse, go to the reverse. If all of a sudden, wow, there's only like 20 or 30 groups in like that, it's, it's all a funnel backwards. So you get to actually see in advance before any other headline articles based off of foot traffic, which is a very uh, fairly uh, hidden information if you think about it, right? Because only really that agent knows how many actually came through right. uh, the houses. So that's also gives competitive intel then for your other clients to get educated. Like this is what's happened. This is what about to happen, um, things like that. Awesome. And going along those lines, could you give like an instance of maybe whether it's the foot traffic or another metric within that line where it changed and you have to kind of pivot your approach based off of it? I think the pivot of the approach is interesting. I mean, fortunately, we're in a market that it hasn't. However, you, you could start coming up with general ratios, right? Just like how you do forecasting. I mean, it's like no different than forecasting, right? Anyone that yeah. does forecasting right i think i bring in 100 people from there 20 will convert you know from there's a, a percentage will be clients etc cetera, etc cetera. so you develop ratios so you get a sense as to how you calibrate but you know you kind of tweak that from time to time there are times like right now 
where there's a lot more, as I example, disclosures downloaded potentially, because a lot of people may want to review it before they even go see it given COVID. Mm-hmm. So your ratios may adjust slightly there, but your ratios may also adjust depending on how nice a home is, right? Because right. generally a very nice home, they're not reviewing, they're reviewing disclosures differently, which is generally going to be fine versus a very ugly looking home where they're going to review disclosures first, make sure they're okay with any major problems to then see it. So even the ratios itself will be different depending on the condition of the home, um, depending on the condition of the home and the timing of it. So there are certain things like that that are very insightful for buyers to really understand like what are things actually happening? What have I been seeing? And this is all you know, very competitive intel that hopefully gives my clients in that case a, a little bit of an edge. Yeah, definitely. Super interesting. So say if uh, someone was a new agent, maybe in Ohio, and they're looking to also work with uh, a mix of investor clients, as well as maybe some like new buyers, and they want to be able to employ metrics and also be able to track what's working, what's not. What are some of the first steps that they should do when building out a team or a system in place? Those are two different things, right? So there's one on the operation side as an individual, and then there's the others, which is actually on growing a team. So on the individual side, especially with an investor, they're likely going to be a little bit more numbers driven than a traditional. So less on kind of selling on, uh, you know, the features of a house per se, but more about the numbers. So what does that mean? You need to be aware, like, is this a good buy relative to what others are renting for and selling for, right? Every area has a ratio. Every area, uh, every neighborhood has a ratio. Every city has a ratio. It's important for you to understand, like, is this a good buy or not? Because then it helps to, you might, you want to educate the client too of showing them the data, right? They may not trust you, but once they see a few examples, they'll be like, okay, he knows exactly what he's talking about. He's showed it many yeah. times. It's a non-biased thing. It's not on feeling. This is what it is. Now they can get used to it or look somewhere else, but that's fundamentally that, that keeps it on a level playing field, right? We're looking at the same set of data. Right. So that certainly helps on the individual side. And on the team side, then the key is, Understand, like, look, map out your day, right? Like, what does your day look like? And look, review it. Is that the best dollar per hour that you can be doing? Now, the best dollar per hour always is having conversations, meeting new clients, mm-hmm. writing deals. Those are always your best dollar per hour. Everything else can potentially be outsourced. Now, you don't do it all at once. You may not have the ability or the mindset to do it, but that's the, the process that you want to do. Because what really helped me accelerate my business, in, in, in this case, you know, be a seven-figure earner within basically two years, is delegating. Because a delegating, even though it's scary, hiring somebody, you know, paying whatever their wage is, it helps you be more accountable. You will find things for them to do, and it will help you scale much quicker. Because mm-hmm. if you're spending two hours a day prospecting, and you're doing two hours a day of paperwork, and now the paperwork is gone, you can just double your prospecting. So if you yeah. had X clients, you just double the potential amount of clients, right? That's the real revenue generator, not the cost of you know an assistant, which is extremely valuable at, a, at different levels. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I really did like the point that you said previously, just when you have the data, not just have it for yourself and make own decisions about the business, which is important, but also sharing that with clients as well, which is useful. Great. So I'd love to just transition a bit into your specific market, since you have so much knowledge that you share on your channel as well. Do you have any insights or maybe 
uh, forecasting of what things are to come within the Bay Area market? Yeah, so kind of full disclosure. So um, I, I handle all of the San Francisco Bay Area. So I do track and I do see what's happening in every county. And I have my own thesis that has been proven pretty accurate as to why things are what they are in the different pockets, in different areas. Now that ebbs and flows, especially a lot in the Bay Area because of remote work and also the, the, the individual's desire to be in the office and things like that. There's different things that are always for a different time. But generally, it's, it's important to understand everything is expensive. That is fair. But I bet you, if you ask your parents as well, 20, 30 years ago, ask them, was home, were homes expensive then? Everyone will always say homes are expensive because everyone likes to complain about homes being expensive. They forget how much money they are making these days in a lot of these areas. And so when I see that, I understand, and you should understand, that your debt-to-income ratio in the Bay Area, even though prices as a absolute are higher than most areas, your debt-to-income ratio for a lot of people here are actually much lower than a lot of other places outside the Bay Area. Be mindful of that. Because that's all, that's really what it boils down to, right? It's like, that's true affordability, right? Yeah. How, how much are you actually putting down and how much is your expenses are relative to your income? And for that, it gives me a lot of faith, but it's clear and it's very clear why home prices continue to go up and we should have a very strong year again for that mm -hmm. reason. Number one is that side. Number two, income has always been good. I mean, these companies are hiring like crazy. They're not stop. They're not anywhere close to stopping the hiring. Number two, there's a big shift. The millennial generation is a massive population. I think it's like a 90 million count. That's a massive migration of people going from a rental typically to a homeowner. They've always had plenty of income. Never mind if they're dual income. There is no issue of affordability from that perspective, right? So that's a huge migration. Um, those are the big catalysts. And the last one, as you may have all seen, especially in the core Bay Area, is they don't build anything. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to build. And this is not a, oh, California doesn't build anything. That's not entirely fair. It, there is true. There's a lot more regulation and things like that. But the fundamental thing is this. If you're a developer and you have $50 million, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you $50 million. And I'm going to say, find me a place of land to build. You're not going to find any pieces of land because there is no land. And the only projects that work is like redeveloping areas, right? Mm -hmm. Tearing down old warehouses, old office space, all these things, right? Now, yes, the cities can always accelerate that. And I'm not saying they're doing the best they could. But at the same time, realistically, there is no place to build. Yeah. Right? This is fundamentally what it is. Now, there's plenty of places in farther out, Tracy, Mountain House, you know, Brentwood, all these places further out. That area is perfectly fine. And you see a ton out there, make no mistake. Mm -hmm. The core bay area is very difficult. And if they're going to build, they're only going to build condos and townhomes because they still sell very well, right? So just be mindful of that when you uh, complain about what's happening. It's just understand like that's just what it is, right? Yeah, that's fundamentally what it is. It's a pure supply and demand. And there's so many companies that continue to expand massively here. The ratio is not the same, right? Mm -hmm. The ratio of amount of people coming here to work is significantly higher to the number of homes that are available for sale. And so with that, uh, unless there's obviously a, 
a massive correction, which everybody's in trouble anyways, um, it should still be like this for some time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So great points that you mentioned. It was a debt to income ratio, shift in population, and then lack of supply in terms of just land to build on in the area, which would force prices, those three parts at least, to stay up. Right. Great. So Spencer, I'd love to transition this now and more about yourself. Uh, what motivates you to keep going and still grow your business as big as it is today? So I think there's a few main things, right? Number one, regardless of the price point, whether you're a first-time buyer or you're buying a four to five million dollar plus place, everybody needs the best service and advice and insights at all spectrums. Right. And that's what I love doing. And I it's super rewarding seeing that because the, we, as I mentioned, there is not much of a, I know I'm not saying nobody has financial issues, but it's more of a mental educational issue than it is a pure finance issue. If you're able to spend four to five thousand dollars a month in rent for some little nice luxury apartment. Like, how can you say you had no money? Right. right. It's it's an education thing. Right. And, and, and it's my job with my little YouTube channel and my little social media, educating people of this is what can be done. You make enough money to be an owner. There's many ways to do it. And everybody deserves that story. Or if you're looking for a luxury home or a trade up home, like there's ways to do it effectively as well. So there's always different games for wherever level you are at. And I think not a lot of people know about it, nor yeah. could they know about it. I mean, this is what I do day in and day out. I track it because I fundamentally want to help my clients gain a competitive edge wherever they are at, right? So that's kind of what motivates me. Number two, what's super exciting is, you know, as we get older, many people don't actually meet as many new people anymore, right? They kind of, actually, a lot of people get start getting more shelled in, which is, I get it, right? They get married, they have kids, and they have all these other things. But, you know, I like the aspect of meeting and getting to know new people and everybody have a, has a different story. Right. And it's super exciting. And so I've met so many new friends uh, this year, whether they're clients or just friends in general, and we continue to be friends and we'll continue to have events. We'll continue to have parties. And that's really, really cool. Right. Um, that's really, really cool. And um, I look forward to, to the next group of friends because we're just getting started on our end and oh, we're personally throwing bigger and bigger parties. So it's, <laughs> it's super fun. Like a lot of people have a lot in store for them. Yes. More to celebrate in 2022. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom, not just in your business, but also uh, what motivates you and then how people can be empowered with data. So how can the viewers follow you through your social media network channel? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways, right? If you want to passively follow me, you can look me up on YouTube. Just type in my name, Spencer HSU. Uh, you'll find all my content everywhere. You can follow me on Instagram. You can connect with me on Instagram, Bay Area Tech Realtor, or text me anytime. I'm happy to talk about your situation, whether you're buying or selling in or around the Bay Area. Like I said, I'm familiar with the markets here. I'm familiar with markets all across the country. There's plenty of people investing everywhere. So happy to chat. You can just text me, uh, 408 two, two, three, five, four, nine, three. And um, either of the ways, if you can't, if you didn't get my information, just Google me, you'll find me. Thank you so much, Spencer. Please follow him after this. So much great knowledge and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.